Over the past few years, we've seen a drastic change in the access to space. What used to only be the undertaking of governmental agencies has turned into a full-on industry with massive private investments pouring in. More and more venture capital-backed private companies are created, lowering the cost not only of sending satellites to space, but also building and operating them. This often gets referred to as the new space industry. It's gotten to the point where it becomes hard to follow sometimes, with new rocket launches becoming a mundane thing that doesn't get reported much on anymore. Billionaire Richard Branson, now the first person to reach the edge of space in his very own spacecraft. And it doesn't help that a lot of the mainstream media outlets seemingly focus more on billionaires going to space rather than what this newly developing industry actually looks like. So, just like how decreased price to launch payloads to space have made Earth observation companies a possibility, this new, different industry has meant new opportunities for different media coverage. On top of that, the way we consume information has drastically changed from YouTube to social media, blog posts, and newsletters. This is why today I'm talking to Mo Islam. He's the co-founder and CEO of Payload, a modern media company centered around a daily newsletter reporting on the space industry. Now, I heard about newsletters being a thing in other industries, and like me, you've probably heard of Morning Brew. What I hadn't realized is just how big and influential they can become. In October 2020, Morning Brew was acquired by Business Insider for an estimated $75 million, with their subscriber counts being in the millions. That's why I wanted to talk to Mo to understand how he thinks about what a modern media company looks like, how they're reporting on this space industry, and specifically around Earth observation. More interestingly, Mo doesn't come from either the space nor the media industry. His background is in finance having been a VP at J.P. Morgan before. He saw an opportunity in the coverage of news in the space industry. I think the biggest issue that I had was there's just not a lot of information out there. There's not a lot of um, information for investors to pick up on. And, you know, the banks didn't really cover the space. You know, the investment banks were all focused on traditional aerospace and defense, but no one was looking at new space. They now have a podcast and multitude other newsletters, interviews with influential figure in the industry, and have become a source of information for many across the space industry. Before we get started, this episode is sponsored by EO Hub, a collaboration between Up42 and GeoAwesomeness. GeoAwesomeness has been a key pillar in the geospatial community for the past 11 years now. I've actually had the founders, Alex and Mutu, on the podcast before. They write articles, host online events, and when possible, organize in-person meetups. They also collect and contribute to podcasts and videos in the geospatial community. The EO Hub is a new section on their website that's dedicated to Earth observation and satellite imagery that they've built in order to showcase how this industry is changing our world. It's supported by Up42, a geospatial marketplace and platform. So if this sounds interesting, I encourage you to go take a look at it at geoawesomeness.com. I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, Welcome on the podcast. I'm pretty excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you know, I like like starting these conversations the same way uh, every time. I like asking people how they would describe themselves. So (laughs) I'm curious, how would you describe yourself? Um, what I do or how would I describe myself? So if I just met someone at like a cocktail party. Oh, this is why I asked this question. It's very open. 
Um, I would say I am someone who um, uh, I would say a reformed banker. I, you know, used to work in finance, but now um, I've realized that my skill set is much more um, valuable in other parts of uh, the tech industry. Um, and I would say that where I spend a lot of my time these days is helping support the space industry. And that's been an area um, where I've been, you know, very passionate um, and in a lot of different ways. Right. And we can obviously we'll talk about those ways. But generally, yeah, I'm, um, uh, I, I try to be as supportive as I can about the space industry. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for. But... <laughs> well, this is why I asked this. <laughs> I guess I... I would also say I'm an investor. I spend quite a bit okay. of time investing. Um, but, yeah, I would, I would I would probably hone in on those two things. All right, cool. I didn't. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. The, the first thing when I started looking up a little bit preparing this interview, um, I, I've I've been following Payload I think pretty much since day one or nearly, and I only realized when preparing this that you had a finance background, uh, not a media one, so or and, and not a space one either. And those are the two things that at least I understand you're doing today. So how does someone go from being a banker to starting a media company in the space industry? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I spent uh, most of my career, I, I typically like to say that it's pretty, it's pretty darn boring compared to the other folks that we meet um, pretty regularly, but I've spent most of my career in banking close to a decade between JP Morgan and, and Deutsche Bank. And I held roles across um, both public and private markets, but spent a great deal of my career raising and investing pri in private technology businesses. Um, space happened to be an area where I spent a considerable amount of time on early on. I think it was around 2014, uh, 2015 is when I really started to kind of look into what was happening in the industry. And I was able to learn um, you know, a lot about sort of the, the financing and sort of investor appetite. Um, and it's just been very, it's been very, very kind of helpful for me as, as we've been navigating the industry and, and, and the media landscape, just knowing sort of where the capital flows are coming in and out of. And I think the thing that I kind of picked up on back, um, when I started looking at space was, Hey, um, and I was certainly, you know, there were plenty of people that were far, 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 far earlier from an investment perspective, but just thinking, okay, like there's this really interesting dynamic occurring at SpaceX um, in terms of like, you know, cost structure. And they were really the folks leading the charge, at least on the institutional investor side. That's where that's where a lot of the investors were focused on. Um, and you saw sort of like all the, um, the, the, the sort of outcomes and all the, the, um, the, uh, there's a kind of a trickle down effect across the space economy, um, at least this investing landscape in the early days with like the planets of the world and the spires of the world. And the question really became like, what is this industry going to become? And I think n not many people really knew, but um, the bet I had taken was, okay, I think there's going to be an enormous amount of capital that goes into this industry. So how do we think about what comes next? And I think the biggest issue that I had was there's just not a lot of information out there. There's not a lot of um, information for investors to pick up on, you know, the industry trends, the different, um, uh, the different um, companies and the business models that were evolving. Um, and, you know, the banks didn't really cover the space. You know, the investment banks were all focused on traditional aerospace and defense, but no one was looking at new space. And that's sort of when, like, the gears, I think, started really turning in my head. And how do you decide, okay, we're actually going to start something yeah, so so um, it's funny. 
Um, it was totally by accident. Um, and maybe I should just kind of introduce really quickly um, what we're talking about is the, sure. uh, yeah, is, the is, is the company um, that I co-founded along with uh, my, my, my partner, Ari Lewis. And um, the company is called Payload, and we're a digital media company, and we cover the business and policy of the space industry. And I'll talk a little bit about what that means in a second. But um, before we um, before we really got into and like really started to understand what Payload was, um, I was talking to Ari. He's a friend of mine. I I kind of I had met him through um, um, uh, just kind of a mutual kind of work connection when I was at J.P. Morgan. And uh, we'd become friends and I was catching up with him one day and I was like, hey, like, we're just kind of like, what are you working on? And I was like, you know, there's just like really interesting space um, um, that I want to start um, building like an investor newsletter out of like a weekly newsletter. I just want to like start telling the stories of what's happening and get folks like acquainted with all the really great innovation um, um, and, uh, you know, the rapid pace of like business model evolution that's occurring that we're sort of witnessing before our eyes um, because of all these really interesting policy changes and cost structure changes. And he was like, um, and, you know, we were walking through it and he was like, have you heard of B2B media? And I was like, I don't know what that is. Um, and he was like, no, I think what you're talking about is you're talking about a niche industry where there is a lack of a particular type of information um, or a particular lack of a, you know, more efficient distribution model and um, uh, it's a high value audience. So perhaps there's something here. So I was very intrigued by what he was talking about. Um, but he started to explain that there was a potential to bring a completely fresh new perspective and distribution model to a very traditional industry. Um, and that's when we started to like really think through like, okay, like, what are we thinking about here? Right? What are we building? And I think the examples that he used early on was like Axios, Morning Brew. Right, two companies that basically took um, what was happening in business, like you know, like you know, the Wall Street Journal legacy, like covered business, covered business really well, right? Like uh, publications like the Journal, and they said, well, look, um, people are spending way more time on mobile. Um, there's a lot more time being spent on email, right? Like or like reading on email. So like, why don't we build a product that caters to that general trend? And of course, you know, I mean, the new newsletters aren't new things, but. I would say those are the those are two easy examples of companies that really turned into like viable business models, like massive business models. And you know, Axios, as we know, sold for half a billion. Um, Morning Brew sold for something close to a hundred million. And I think you know, in my mind, that was like, okay, like, can we apply and figure out how to apply this business model to space? And how do we create a newsletter first business model, create this like massive distribution and just make it easier, turn it into a habit. What Morning Brew did really well is they turned it into a habit. Every morning you got up and you like clicked on Morning Brew's um, publication and you knew exactly what you needed to know for the rest of the day. And it was like a great kind of like, you know, like it was almost like, I mean, yeah, it was like a cup of coffee in the morning. Like you needed to, you needed to have it. And we were like, can we do this for the, for this industry? And our conclusion was, or the thesis that we had was like, we could absolutely. And at the time, most of the media models were very, very traditional, like very traditional media models in space, um, you know, website kind of traffic driven and like sometimes even print publications. And we we're like, well, clearly, that's not where the industry is going. Right. So let's shift that away and like figure out if we can create more engagement and cater something to a more maybe even younger audience because we saw all these huge cultural shifts happen in space, like more young, like younger audience. Um, you know, uh, folks with non-traditional backgrounds that were coming into the industry. So we were like, let's kind of lean into that and like figure out a product that works around that. 
yeah so you take the, the the new spaces coming up this thing where the space industry is basically being changed especially 2014 that's when i started getting interested in it and the spacex is still this thing that's really new but there's a lot of things happening and then payload started much later like we're seeing things happen and this new space is ramping up but there's not really new media to take to cover that it's still this old way of doing it and so basically a little bit like what happens to the space industry is what you want to do to the media landscape of like in the space industry yeah so and, and, and it, that's exactly right and, and our approach is unique is it as in it's a newsletter first model right so like that's what i want um, to that, come in on next. that in and of itself is not a, it's not a unique media model the, the media model itself is not unique. Applying it to space is unique and new. Right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, what we're really doing at the end of the day is shifting the distribution and making the top of the funnel the newsletter. And we're going to make that free. It's always going to be free. It's going to be a free product to our subscribers. And it's going to help drive distribution to all of our other media products and future properties. Right. Um, and this isn't new. Right. Like we talked about Morning Brew, The Hustle, Axios. They've done this really well and they've built really amazing businesses. So our first product was a weekly newsletter. Um, I handled the writing. This was the very, very first product that we ever launched. Um, weekly newsletter, I handled the writing. Ari focused on audience development and growth. And the initial traction was just better than we expected, which was, by the way, like shocking when you actually look at my writing because my writing is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not a journalist. Like I am a research, like spent most of my time writing research. So I can write things that will help you fall asleep. But writing like writing like really cool, fun, interesting, like quirky, like that's not that's not my thing, right? So, but somehow we got people to like in, be interested in that. Like we had um, we had industry professionals um, reaching out to us saying how refreshing our take and style was. Um, we started getting public company CEOs signing up, and that was effectively the signal that we needed. And these were all like organic signups, just like from people like forwarding it to others. And that was sort of, um, that was effectively the signal that we needed to basically go out and, 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 and properly build this thing. So we ended up raising a small seed round about a year ago um, from a number of really amazing investors. And that allowed us to go out and hire this like all-star team that we're now building out. The, the thing I then want to focus on is you're on the space uh, industry, but it's also very focused uh on the financials of the space industry it's not mm, there is focus on the the like new developments in tech and things like that but it's there's a lot of the coverage that you guys have is much deeper on valuations and and how investors are thinking about things even the people that you have on is that based on the the field that you've you've um come from is that just the early days and then you want to expand or is that really the focus that you're going on because you talked about this high value audience which is really important when you have something like who are you selling it to i'm just trying to understand a little bit how you're thinking about that yeah it's it's it's, it's a great question so so what i would say is like um i think the first half of our existence i think that was definitely true there was definitely there was a much more focus on the investment side and like really not just investment side like more on the financing side there was a heavy push towards that but we have now actively tried to move away from that and it's because we're seeing different ways that we can like actually expand 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 our product right so like like l let me kind of take a quick step back because i think it'll be helpful so like we went daily last october i want to say so about it's it's been a year 
Um, before we went daily, I remember thinking, and we all were contemplating, like at the time we just hired our managing editor, Ryan Duffy, who came, who joined us from Morning Brew. Um, and he built the emerging tech brew, right? He knows how to, he like was our newsletter, like, you know, savant, like he knew what to do. And he was like sort of the perfect person to help like build this thing out in the beginning. And I remember the three of us talking, we were like, is there enough news to write a daily? We were like, like, are we going to have like weeks where we're just talking about random old news? Like, and we were genuinely worried, but we were like, we need to pull the bandaid off and let's see what happens. Um, and I think a big belief of us at the time was um, we wanted to be as connected with our readers as possible. And at the time we didn't know, like, should we focus more on investing or should we focus more on like general news? Should we focus on aggregation? Like we were like, this is effectively, you know, this is our flagship product. And what we, we wanted to figure out and we wanted to get feedback and data quickly. So we were like, let's launch the daily. And that'll be the easiest way for us to start really getting connected with the reader. Like from there, we're going to understand, um, you know, what they like, how they interact with us, um, where they're from, where they're working. Um, and, you know, if we want to go into other products, it's going to help us like understand sort of like how, you know, where sort of the niches are and where we need to, you know, where we can potentially expand into, but also more importantly, you know, we really wanted to help build our brand as a trusted source. So, you know, and in general, consumer media is about scale, right? B2B media is about depth. Consumer media is about scale. We were focusing on depth. So we, we, we really want to become like the go-to media source for the industry. Um, you know, we think, you know, obviously I'm sure you've had people here talk about how big the industry could get. And, you know, there's a lot of numbers out there, but for us, it was like, okay, like, let's, let's see what happens. So I think the first, like, you know, probably six months, we were like in a lot of different directions, you know, maybe some public, some, some newsletters were really focused on just the investing side and the financing side. Some were focused a little bit more on the policy side and it helps us, it helped us learn. And effectively what we've done now is we have the flagship and we're actually launching, launching into different verticals. So we launched a science, um, we launched a science publication that's run by one of our journalists, Rachel Zisk. Um, we, um, Ari and I both have one, uh, have a, a newsletter that comes out monthly. He has a marketing based newsletter. That's more for like the marketing folks in the industry. I have an investing specific newsletter. So it comes out once a month and it's about investment topics in the industry. Um, and then we're launching a policy uh, version of it, which is going to, it's going to be run by Jacqueline Fulcher, who's one of our new hires. And that is particularly exciting because there is no, actually, I shouldn't say that there are definitely policy publications out there, but. If you, if you remember, um, or if you ever read Politico Space, that was a big um, policy publication. So Jacqueline used to help run Politico Space. So we've kind of brought her on board and she's going to help us build a policy publication. So now that we've understood what the readers are looking for, we're now kind of branching out into these other verticals. Um, but the flagship has become more of a catch-all. We talk about investing. We talk about the policy side. We talk about startups. We talk about the big pieces of news. Um, we don't really care so much about reporting on like SpaceX and like what's happening because like everyone's reporting about SpaceX. You're not going to get anything new from reading our publication about what's happening with like Starship, right? Like, but you know, to the extent we do cover that, I think on the edges. But we 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 really want to find the stories that people aren't necessarily reading about in other places. Sorry, very long-winded answer to your question. But, um, you know, I think that for us, we've it's been a bit of an evolution. No, that's, that's I mean, this is why I want to have these conversations. I appreciate you going in, in, in the depth as well of 
how you're thinking about all these things. I think it's really interesting to, to try to understand a little bit about where you're going, about like you're trying to figure this out uh, as you're going. I just want to come on a few little things to make sure I understood correctly. So on, on going daily, do I understand that that also allowed you to try out a bunch of different things and seeing, um, like asking people for something that you guys do. Uh, we, yeah. I mean, look, um, our, our, our business lives and dies by our readers, right? So we yeah. care deeply about what they are thinking, what they care about. And we got a lot of feedback in the very beginning feedback that ranged from, Hey, um, you cover things that I already see. Right. Um, which is fine. I mean, there are people, by the way, there are people yeah. that will just never add value to because they're yeah. so connected they're they're just like by the time something comes out they're like oh we already know knew about it that's not our target audience though right but there's going to be people like that um to other folks who are like yeah we want to see more policy related things or hey can you like this is a really important topic it's not being covered and i we you know we think you need to be covering it right so like th th we got a ton of feedback in the very very beginning and we still get feedback but um what i think we did well is we incorporated the feedback we actually took in what people were saying and we immediately um you know we immediately like figured out like okay how do we you know how, how do we actually like tell these stories tell the stories that matter to to folks the most and, and i think it shows because we grew very quickly um we're very very we're not that far away from becoming soon being able to say that we're the largest daily newsletter in, in the industry um so we're very close to be, being able to say that and to us it, it that milestone isn't as important as the number of people that we're reaching. Like we want to be able to reach as many people as we can in the industry. And, and you know, thankfully, like the more important thing is like, as you listen to the readers and you know what cares, what they care about the most, you get a sense of like striking that right balance of like, you know, like actually going out and reporting on what matters the most, actually matters the most, but also kind of tailoring things to like, okay, we know that the industry cares a lot about this, but it's not being talked about. So let's, let's lean in and see how much information we can draw upon on, on, on that particular topic. So, so what is your um, target audience? Do you have this imaginary profile of a person, like what the standard payload reader is? Yeah. So, so, so right now I'll answer your question like in, in two different ways right now, the answer is yes. Uh, the, sorry, sorry. That's, that's actually not the right answer, but what I'm saying is like, we do have, <laughs> what I mean to say is yes, we know who our target audience is. Um, our target audiences are industry professionals, um, industry professionals and enthusiasts, like the folks that are in the industry. Um, this now includes investors, right? There are folks now who are, sorry, let me really... interrupt you there. Cause yeah. the industry, you could define that in many ways. Can you, hone in a little bit on what you mean by the industry so the industry of aerospace okay so so new space and traditional so like folk, pe the people focus the people in the like the startups of the world right like um you know it's hard to call space like a startup right now but everything from that to like the companies that are just coming out of y combinator right now that just raised a seed round that are doing like some innovative new earth observation startup right like like that's that's the new space side of things, that's definitely our audience. But then the traditional um, aerospace industry is our audience, like Lockheed, Boeing, like um, uh, Raytheon, right? BAE, all those companies, um, you know, Maxar, like, um, and, and, and I, I think I would get in trouble if I called any of those traditional aerospace and defense, but, but more <laughs> the companies that have been, more the companies that have been right. around for a long time, right? That have been doing this, that have been doing this for decades, that have you know, billions of dollars of revenue. Like we want to be able to capture that, like that, both sides of it. What we've noticed though, is that that 
like our original focus was aerospace. It's now starting to like open up to defense as well. We're getting a lot of folks because like, you know, space inherently is military and there's a lot more, you know, action happening from that perspective. So like more and more defense. And then we're also seeing more and more investors. So institutional investors and, and just like kind of individual investors who are just like, we see a lot of activity happening in space. We want to be involved. We want to know what's happening, right? So that's generally our target audience, I would say. Like really business, like true B2B, like just industry-focused audience. Cool. Yeah, so, I, I just so wanted anyways, to understand that, that a little bit because I think it is, depending on who you ask, the the space industry means a lot of different things and people put, like end it at a certain way and, and start it at, at a somewhere else so yeah just wanted to clear that out yeah well i what i would i would also say this right which is like where i think the audience is going to go and mm -hmm. i don't know how our model is going to shift around this or how you know we, we we might actually just build a strategic partnership with someone to to kind of cover this but space is becoming more and more mainstream yeah right like and and and, and i would say for a few different reasons um there's the headlines which we don't care about um that in mainstream which is like the billionaire space race like musk branson bezos like new shepherd you know spaceship one you know all the you know like billionaires going to like you know, want to go to the moon that's capturing a lot of the mainstream headlines and there is definitely a level of interest the reason why those are being written about is people in the you know mainstream like audience cares and or not they they'd certainly want to learn more about that or read more about that right clearly that's what that's where the mainstream media is like leaning in i think outside of that though i do think we're in i do believe we're in the next space race and that's a very overused term but i do i, I believe it's true like we are in the next space race it's very obvious when you come when you think about what's happening overseas and between russia and china and what just happened because of the the war and how, you know, even though the world is becoming globalized, like aerospace is becoming deglobalized, companies are onshoring, you know, onshoring supply chains, onshoring production capability, onshoring like launch capability, whatever it is, all of that is being onshored. It's not being global. There's not the globalization that you're seeing in the broader tech industry. And if you actually look back in the Apollo era, you know, in the 60s um, and, and sort of beyond, like a lot of the interest from the mainstream came as a result of the fact that there was this technological war happening, right? Effectively between the US and Soviets at the time. And I do think that there's going to be more and more of that interest and attention that goes into the aeros goes into aerospace as China continues to break miles break their own milestones and continues to like really out innovate and do really, really, really cool things, which they will, right? Which they are. Um, the other thing is I would say is that there's a remarkable amount of similarity to space um, with crypto, believe it or not, right? Like, so we see a lot of interesting similarities in the audience. So like, uh, like I'll explain what I mean. So like back in 2015, um, many of the major crypto media businesses um, that had started um, were really, really like, you know, the readership was dominated by industry people, very similar to how our readership today is dominated by industry people. Um, so, you know, the folks that worked on those crypto projects or the folks that worked on the exchanges. Um, crypto readership today has grown exponentially and it's an effect become ubiquitous because crypto in and of itself has become ubiquitous. Um, you have more industry professionals, you have more investors, you have readers from adjacent industries because they all want to know how is this going to affect me? Like the banks want to know what's happening in crypto, even if they're not necessarily interested in crypto, but they're like, because they're just like, 
is this going to upend my business model? Um, and I do think like what this, a very similar story is playing out in the space industry and we're already seeing those signs. Um, so right now our, our industry is very, you know, the, the readership is very industry specific. But when I think about sort of the pace of growth and innovation, um, you know, I do think that you're going to see a lot. There's some interesting tailwinds, right? I think industry professionals are expanding, right? The amount of capital being raised is forcing space startups to hire at record amounts. And there's simply not enough people who work in traditional aerospace and defense and engineering. So you're seeing like, like companies look beyond sort of the typical candidate pools. So you're going to see new folks entering the industry that won't have the traditional backgrounds, but they're going to want to keep up with the news and what's happening, right? So that's one angle. Um, I think the second angle is I think you're going to see the growth of, 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 with the growth of like um, and the success between the new business models of like satellite broadband or the newer ways that companies are looking at satellite broadband and mobile connectivity, you're going to see adjacent industries like traditional telco start to pay more and more attention to what's happening because they're like, we don't want to be upended by what's happening in this industry, right? If you look at earth observation, for example, right? Like there's a lot of like ter terrestrial type work that gets done right now that EO companies are trying to like, you know, take over right from space, right? And, and obviously, you know that very, very well. Um, so I do think that there's going to be adjacent industries that start to paying that start that start to pay attention. And I and, and, and yeah, I think the space race piece of it is also going to drive broader consumer interest. So I think those are sort of the dynamics that really just tell us that, um, you know, the way the way we approach a business like this needs to be like very different than it was before, because you really need to think about where the industry might be going. So the consumer angle, the broad consumer angle is something we're thinking about. We are exploring partnerships with some very interesting folks in the industry um, that have a very close tie with the consumer. So we're thinking about how do we partner potentially rather than build out a whole new vertical as their way for payload to partner with like other really um, great organizations out there that have a really good stronghold over the mainstream mainstream consumer base. Right. So is that, do you think that's going to change the way you, you tell those stories basically, like you report on them? Yeah. So I think the flagship newsletter will not change. That will always be industry focused, like storytelling, right? Industry focused because, because that's where the value is, right? The second we start to become, if, if, if that publication became mainstream, it would lose value to the folks who are in the industry, the decision makers, right? They're like, okay, well, I don't want to read about like, you know, what gets clicks, like from the mainstream right, audience. Right, right. That's so, why they came in the first place. That's why they came in the first place. So that, that's certainly, we're not going, like the flagship will continue to be industry focused and will be, how do we add the most value to the folks in the industry? And like, how do we help, how do we help drive decisions, right? We, we've, we've I, I can't, I can't say who it is, but we were at a conference recently and a governmental organization came up to us and said, hey, we really appreciated your piece on XYZ because it actually helped us uh, think through this decision that we were going to make. And we were just like, what? <laughs> we were like, of all the places that you could read to get information, like this is, this is what you're using to make this type of decision yeah. that in, in, in and of itself, in a way will influence the industry. Right. So like we need to, you know, we need to be very mindful that there are things that we're going to write about that like people are going to, hopefully utilize or you know they care about and that might help drive de de uh, drive decisions the second you start to go mainstream and start to think about things that don't really matter yeah. to those folks yeah. then the value of that product really i mean you lose the value of that product yeah let, let, let's go on the let's go on the earth observation aspect i'm, I'm very curious sure. to have your thoughts on it on both on what like the 
one of the tricky things I can imagine that, that you have to go through, I go through that a little bit with a podcast, is deciding what you like how deep you want to go on a subject because there's always going to be people who are like, this is not hardcore enough. I want more details, more technical stuff, more things like that. And there are people who are like, this is too much and I just want a higher level. So I'm curious on the the earth observation starting there. Like it, it is a segment of the space industry and I'm curious to think about how you cover it. Yeah, it's 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 a good it's a good question. Um, so so let me let me get point to your first question, um, which was the how, how do you decide how deep to go? Um, and I think that has been uh, again like uh, like it, it's striking a balance. And I would say Ryan, Rachel, Jess, and now Jacqueline have done an amazing job figuring out like strike how to strike that balance. Um, we've learned over time like what we need to abbreviate and what we don't need to abbreviate, like Leo. We don't need to write that out anymore because we know people know Leo, right? There are things like that that we're like learning about our audience. And like sometimes if we get too technical, we get that feedback and we like, we also know like this is not a, this is not a technical publication. This is a news right. publication used to help make, drive high level decisions. So we're never going to get that technical. Um, I think in terms of EO, we've really started to write more extensively about what's happening in EO um, and really, you know, effectively the role of satellites. And I think what's really, um, what's really started to accelerate that is the war. Um, we started doing a lot of reporting um, around the war. And I think there's this general realization among citizens, especially mainstream citizens, that space can create enormous transparency. And, you know, we think that th that level of transparency is really just now starting to get um, now getting just really starting like folks are really starting to get to know like how important that is you know resolutions are improving um, you know commercial companies are pushing the boundaries of imaging capabilities but not just imaging capabilities but also like the insights that you can glean from them you know newsrooms um, think tank think tank analysts um, researchers are now you know like like they they can dig through this imagery and actually track like hospital construction, aircraft deployment, like land clearing, right? And and it was really interesting to see all that kind of come to life during the war, from from the the imaging, um, the imagery that companies like Maxar and Planet and others were providing. Um, I think at the time, I don't know, like Capella, um, you know, Capella's like SAR imagery was showing like customers, um, you know, what the Russian military was up to, right? Sort of under sort of the, the cover of clouds or, um, um, you know, Spire's sensors were picking up kind of international airlines scrambling to, to, to route around Ukrainian Air Force, um, in, you know, airspace, right? A, lo a lot of these really interesting like tank, um, you know, uh, tank maneuvers and like where the tanks were moving to, like we could actually see that real time. Um, and I think that that really showed the world that there's a tremendous value that you, we can get, at least even from like just an information perspective or a journalism perspective um, of what's happening, um, you know, because and it's all because of a space based asset. So that's a general like um, I would say general trend that we've really been spending more time on. Um, it's almost like this the the trend of like mapping to monitoring. Right. We spent, you know, mapping was like the big, you know, like that's just like almost like a buzzword theme that people are talking about, but it is true, right? It is what's what's truly um, driving a lot of the discourse right now, especially the mainstream audience. Like now I actually understand, like I have people ask me now, like, hey, um, you know, like I didn't realize that we could actually image that high quality all the way from space. Like, 
So, I mean, there's just a lot more I think, eyeballs on what's happening from that perspective. Yeah, that's that's the next thing I want to ask about is what are you seeing are the challenges of reporting on what's happening in Earth observation? Are, are you seeing there's um, you need to explain a lot of the technical aspect, because if you're talking about a company like Capella and you can't really just show an image and be like, oh, this is what's happening. If it's Maxar, it's super easy. You put an image and bam, like everybody understands. But and it gets even trickier when it's Spire because they don't even have imagery, as far as I know, at least. So has that been a challenge? Yeah. Look, I think I think that um, uh, not so much because you know you you publish a like just say you you put a photo up of like Capella like a SAR image that Capella um, um, publishes, and you know you just say it's radar based. Right? We don't really get into it, right? Because it's just not. This is not the part. This is not where you get into it. Um, I will say that the challenge, the challenge in EO is like, I think right now there's a big debate, right? Where is the value? Where is the like? Where is the biggest value capture in EO? Is it on the data acquisition side? Is it in like a marketplace? Is it on the intelligence side? Right. And there's a lot of different folks thinking and a lot of different opinions. I think generally speaking, most people think that it's on the intelligence side. Right. And I've heard I've heard arguments for all all sorts of all sorts of like um, um, models. Now, for us as a public, as like the media side, what people care about from the media side is the data acquisition, like the actual images themselves, like like images. And I would say insights from those images, how everything happens in between doesn't really matter for the audience. So what I would say is like, there's certainly really great businesses that are working on really cool things in that middle layer that we're not, we may not never, we may not cover, you know, as much or, or may never get that attention. So that to me is a challenge, right? As I think about it, like there might be drivers of value in the EO space that are doing really great things, but like, that's not where the stories are. The story is at the acquisition level and the stories at the intelligence level, right? What's what insights are we gleaning from this image, or what it, what the image in and of itself is, right? And of course, optical image always beautiful, always great, like really cool to watch and see. SAR image not so much, um, and then you know, then you get into infrared and thermal, and then you're like, most people are like, I don't know what I'm looking at, like the, to the untrained eye. Right. It, I, I, okay. I want to linger on this a little bit. I, this is really interesting. And I want to make sure I understand it as well. What you're saying is the story, the news thing that's worth reporting on is when either new data is acquired or uh, a new information, like a, the tanks moved here in Russia more than uh, we've developed, I don't know, a new algorithm that helps extracting that kind of information yeah i mean i mean here i'll give an example this is this is, i'm making this up this doesn't happen like sure. this isn't a story we wrote about but like let's hey do um so and so company published uh you know created an image their customer was uh you know like ag, an ag, ag company they discovered through their image and through their algorithm that um you know soil water moisture in this area was very low and they were able to tell that company that they needed more water and that area, right? Or whatever they needed to figure out like how to, in order to increase the crop yield, right? That's a really interesting story. Like we're going to want to write about that. We're going to want to tell that story because that's interesting. Like, Hey, like there was a very clear use case of EO adding significant, like real value to an industry on earth. Right now, who, who gets attention in that story? 
the the folks that acquired the data and then how that how that analysis was made right now in the future if there are companies that are helping like you know like if there are businesses that are like in between helping disseminate that data or create marketplaces for that data or like repositories and archives for that data those folks aren't going to get any attention like we're not going to write like right. there's just no there's no story there right so so i think that that from the perspective of like different and i, I know Arv, arvin has a really great sort of breakdown mm-hmm. of how he thinks about the industry there's only like one or two layers that we care about from a story perspective now right. that's not to say that like when a really interesting company raises a round or raises a financing round or does some cool thing like we're going to talk about that of course we are but from like the impact on like what's happening like that that impact is far more clear when you're thinking about i mean just from like a from like the audience perspective it's kind of like it's kind of like the biggest problem right now that um a lot of eo companies have is that they spend too much time talking about the space side of what they're doing and not enough about like the earth side of why it's yeah. important so it's like too much about the technical, like, oh, we can do this and we have this cool capability and we can do that. But like insurance insurance companies don't care. The insurance company just wants to know that you're giving them a piece of data that helps them improve their model, their insurance model, or it helps them glean a better insight and maybe help them shift around a business model or maybe attract a customer base they haven't looked at before because now they have new information. That's what they care about. They don't give a shit about what the image is showing or what it's saying it's in and of its like what the image in and of itself is right and i think that's just um that in 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 a way can almost be applied to the media side of things too like the audience just wants to know what is the insight what is the image or what is the insight yeah i think that's a very common trend um i i feel like it's the same thing as if you guys started reporting on i don't know what software are you used to write the news stories like you're talking about the upstream thing that you get excited but the people that you're selling to really don't care about and want to have that product yeah and i I think the other thing i think we do spend some time on is sort of this natural pull on government versus commercial right like and 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 what customer base to serve like we have written about that in in the past like whether you know this like um what commercial companies should go for go after right or sorry what yeah what the commercial like eo companies like what's the customer tar- what's the target base that they should be going after you know obviously co- companies like capella black sky are very focused on the government and other folks think that there's a longer term story and longer term opportunity to capture market share and commercial so those are things that i think are interesting that you know i think um, the audience likes to read about and, 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 and a place where we've spent a lot of time on. And of course, the investment side is really interesting, right? What's happening, the amount of, you know, happy to answer questions about that, but like that, that, that is also like, you know, a common thing that everyone wants to know how the SPACs are doing, right? How are the companies doing? What's going on? Like, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's get into that a little bit. I'm because again, I think, yeah, a lot of what I see as well as people coming into the space industry, a lot of it is people who are super interested in the technical aspect. And at least from that angle, the financial is not understood very well. And I haven't seen a good overlap of the two of like a, the technical aspect and what that allows. And then on the financials, how the investment is working. I think, um, I think from an investment perspective, EO has been very tough. Um, and I'm not saying anything controversial, right? You can just look no, at the no, stock I... prices of a lot of companies, right? I think well, a lot um, of the valuation went down after they they went public. Like just to, yes. to to paint a broad stroke, like this is what is going on in the industry. 
a lot of the companies went public a year or two ago and kind of pretty much all of them went down. Well, well, yeah, exactly. And and we can, let's, let's kind of paint, let's try to paint a little bit of a balanced view. Right. So I think sure. like, I think that, um, you know, here's sort of like the overarching, like interesting kind of like trend that has led us to here, led us here today. Right. What satellites that used to cost hundreds of millions of dollars is it's, it's not, isn't, that's not the case anymore. Right. Hardware has effectively been commoditized. Um, lower cost of launch means new companies can establish constellations at significantly lower capital costs. Um, that also means lower price, prices and an, an ability to expand the market, um, take share, take take more market share, and then still potentially generate reasonable unit economics. Right. I, I, the downside of all this is that you know low cost drivers and this type of feedback loop could also mean a race to the bottom. But we can talk about that in a second. I think the overarching negative from an investment perspective is that. You have companies like Maxar and Airbus that have historically been the key players, right, in this industry, in this market. Um, now, because of venture capital and because of sort of the surge that we've seen in venture capital, we've seen a huge proliferation of competition in that space. You know, you have the planet, like Satellogic, Spire, Capella, Black Sky, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Many of these companies are collecting um, effectively the same data sets, but with uh, differentiation that comes from maybe different levels of precision or frequency, right? Effectively. I, I, I'm very, by the way, I'm obviously oversimplifying. I'm sure if any of these companies are in the room, like I would get like, I would get like, you know, things thrown at me. But they're, um, they're more, what I think you're trying to say is they're incremental uh, increases on top of each other. No correct. one is coming like, we're imaging the, the earth every single day and we never had that before. It's like, oh, yeah. we had every two days and now we're doing every day or we had uh, a meter and now we're doing 50 centimeters. It's like this incremental increase. Yes, exactly. And, 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 and by the way, there are some unique data sets that are being collected. I think like Spire on the RF side and Hawkeye 360 that I think there is some comparative differentiation that you can talk about. Um, but you know, either, so, so, so either you're continuously iterating and making your data product, um, which in and of itself has an upper bound, right. From a market demand perspective, like you could like, it's like, it's like, Hey, we'll make this optical imagery. Just to give an example, like 30 centimeters. Now it's 10 centimeters. Now maybe one day it's five centimeters, right? But like, let's just say at some point someone's gonna be like, Oh, I don't need it that. I, I don't need it that good. Like, I just don't. Like that's really great and that's awesome, but I don't need it that. So, so um, you know, so you have this sort of upper bound from a market demand perspective, um, or what you've seen is those companies now expand into other verticals. So, like you saw this in launch, right? Launch companies are now just not just launch companies. They're building satellites. They're building constellations. They're, um, you know, they're providing specialized components and equipment, right? Like when you see that happening, typically what it means, when you see businesses go beyond their core product, what that typically means is like, hey, this core product is not that big of a market. It's not as big of a market as we thought it was. Right okay. now, now I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing now not, that's not always the case, but sometimes like a lot of the time that is the case. And I think we saw that in launch and I think you're starting to see that in EO as well. Like you see a lot of companies are like, hey, the raw data side of things is not that big of a market. So we now need to expand into other verticals, platform analytics, um, et cetera. Um, and, and by the way, here's something I think about. And I'm actually curious to get your opinion on this, Max, because I know you know more about this than I do. But if you think about it like this, Maxar is, effect- is the effective leader in traditional imagery, right? I mean, like for, for all intents and purposes, right? They've been around for over a decade, decades. They have these significant customer relationships. 
Um, and the company does a billion dollars in annual earth intelligence revenue, roughly about a billion. And they're sort of, they have been around forever. So to build a profitable business, you have to assume a couple different things. You have to assume that the market expands, right? Or you see new business models or much leaner kind of cost structures, right? Generally speaking, like that needs to, that, that needs to happen. So to me, like the positive, like now just to be kind of, you know, just to, think about that side of things. The big positive is that there's a variety of new business models that are now viable and it's just interesting, like subscription kind of data offerings, whether it's like uh, a one for all model that Planet's exploring because Planet's like, Planet does tasking, right? But they also have been doing this thing where it's like, well, we're going to map the earth every day. Um, and, you know, we're going to provide that data. It's going to be uh, like like pretty much no no added cost for us to add more and more customers to that like layer of data. Right. So there's that side of things, which from a from a model perspective and like margin perspective is really interesting. Um, um, and then you have companies who are you know, obviously exploring SaaS like models and they're trying to target software margins or sell raw data um, at cost and potentially maybe use channel partners for analytics. I actually think that to me is the more interesting, like the Shopify model, like build right. the platform and then find channel partners to sell your analytics because like. The other thing is EO companies don't know how big these markets are, these verticals are. Like, yeah. you don't know how big this, like, whatever, like, you know, like crop monitoring market is. Like, you know, it's big. I, that's a bad example. But there are plenty of exa- like plenty of examples where, like, there are interesting markets, but you don't know how big it is. You don't know how much you need to invest in it. And so use a channel partner and use your data and, like, get the analytics that way. So to me, the right business model is some sort of differentiated product via either superior imagery, imagery quality and effectively, like, a lower OPEX structure. Like, sorry, I, I've like, I'm like, <laughs> I've dove into a whole. No, 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 it's okay. I think but... like it, the only thing is like, if we, I appreciate like having those examples. Like that, that, that's that's the only thing to make sure that we're on top of it. Um, yeah, I I do think that's a. This is also something that I, I I wonder on how you report on those things because a lot of it is super speculative. Where the companies are making those claims about this vertical is this big or we're taking this move because of this vertical but we don't really know where that's going and specifically for earth observation i think that's a really good example of maxar makes a billion in revenue every year the big question is how much of that is is on the defense side and then how much is on on the commercial private sector that you can grow on top of and i think that Mm -hmm. goes to this aspect that you're talking about growing the market, basically, if we if you can have those things. What I'm curious to ask about is how are you thinking about that when you're trying to report back on this? Do you have like, this is our thoughts on this, like where there's this thing, but do you try to inject a little bit of, of your own into it about like, eh, not so sure about this one? So we, we the answer, short answer is yes. We definitely inject opinion or thought um or a level some level of analysis on all this but most of what we just talked about i think are just kind of my own personal views i would also just yeah, 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 right? yeah. like like um Fair you know, i think that um you know t- to me uh, we can get about, we can get to this in a second but to me there is um a number of factors why the spac the space kind of spac market at least with eo has not worked or hasn't been working right and we can talk about that but um, from a reporting perspective, we try to do, look, we ultimately want folks to like come to their own conclusion. We're not trying to like yeah. guide them to a conclusion, 
but we certainly add our take on things, right? Especially okay. when, you know, I think there's a natural point to make. We're trying, we're obviously not trying to be biased and we're not trying to like portray, um, hey, this business model doesn't work. But we're asking, we're asking the questions that get people to kind of think about these things because we, I, 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 I don't think we know. Um, but, you know, I think if you look at the, I think the public market to me is really interesting, right? Because I think that you have really these great businesses, like, I mean, Spire is a, is a really interesting business. They have a cool product, but the stock's down 90, 90%, right? And I think there's a few things that have happened in my mind that I think are worth talking about in general. Um, and I think we're, we're, we're spending time reporting on it, which is like, we don't think the public markets understand Earth observation. Um, and there's two key reasons here. Um, there are very few of the public companies that are out there um, that haven't appreciated the value of external marketing and IR, and it shows, right? Can the you, story sorry, is not sorry, clear. I'm not sure. Can you expand on that, what that means? Yeah, so typically when a company goes public, they have IR teams, they have marketing teams that are actually like, you know, telling the story, talking about, you know, talking to investors, telling them why they need to invest in this company. Um, from what I've seen, um, outside of a couple couple businesses that I can point to, that has been a bit of a lack that has been lacking in the industry. Right. Um, and, and I think some of it is in their control. Some of it is out of the, out of the control because the investment banks don't actually cover the stocks. So the institutional investors, for example, that like, you know, as an institutional investor, if I'm like, Hey, I don't know anything about pick your spec, right? Space spec, um, EO company. I want to read about it. Where do typically institutional investors get their information from? They get it from sell-side coverage. They get it from the investment banks. They call up the investment bank and say, hey, tell me about this stock. But the investment banks don't really cover it. They're starting to. They're starting to right. cover them. But for a long time, they didn't cover them. So, um, you know, they didn't. Th these names weren't well covered. So institutional investors weren't spending a lot of time on them. Um, I think the third thing is, and this is where I would hate sort of throw rocks at the investment banks, they screwed up all the SPAC forecasts. They told they they the you know the companies let these banks project very unrealistic data, and the companies didn't hit their numbers, and in most cases were down 30, 40, 50 percent off of what they said that they were going to do, and the public markets are ruthless. It's a it's an efficient mechanism, right? Like you, you said you were going to do this, you didn't do this, so your stock it gets cut in half, your multiple contracts, your earnings don't justify your price anymore. And that's exactly what happened. And I think the fourth issue, and this is the one we're actually going through right now, is like, this is a bit of a newer issue, right? But the Fed tightening cycle um, is a net negative for all of these companies because, and this is not, not to get into the finance side of things, but like the majority of the valuation of these companies is, 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 is reliant on terminal value because they're not doing a lot in terms of revenue and cash flow right now. So all of their valuation is made up of what their value will ultimately be. And that piece of the valuation is heavily dependent upon rates. So as rates go up, the terminal okay. value compresses. So um, that's going to be a pressure point on the share price of a lot of these companies, uh, of these companies that are so dependent upon like this this kind of terminal value. So let me try to rephrase that. Uh, if I were to try to explain it like I'm five, I, I I like trying to do this about like making sure I understand this, and then you can correct me if I get it wrong. So. At a, at a high level, we have a lot of these companies that went public via SPAC, these Earth observation companies like Planet, um, Satellogic. Um, and so they went, they had a really high uh, valuation when they went public. 
what I understand is your take on why those are, are low is because the traditional investors don't didn't necessarily understand those industries because it's like a like space is a new industry and then you have earth observation which on top of that is even newer um and that had to do because we didn't necessarily have in place the mechanisms to report on those companies so 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 what i would say is this i'll, I'll simplify it even more I'm an investor. I've been investing in stocks for a long time, right? I'm, I'm just making this up, right? I'm just a kind of an investor. And a new EO company comes and I'm saying, okay, this is interesting. What is this? Um, I was like, well, what am I going to compare it to? I'm going to compare it to Maxar. Maxar has a billion dollars of revenue and it's a multi, it's like a $3 billion business and they do a billion of revenue. Okay. How much is, how much revenue is this company do? Oh, 50 million. Okay. Interesting. How much is that company worth? If Maxar is worth two or 3 billion, should this company be worth a billion where it went public right. or is it worth much less right now? Now right, right, right. we can argue that it should be worth a billion because it's a new cost structure, new model, like new way of doing business, new, you know, like subscription model. Like there's a lot of, but things you, have to, about, but you have to understand why that, that story right. did not. I think that that story was not bridged appropriately. And for t two reasons, I think the companies themselves didn't do a great job. And I think the okay. banks, the banks didn't report, like banks don't report on them. So there's not enough data out there for these for the companies to absorb. Okay. And the banks help them help these companies shoot themselves in the foot by issuing these crazy projections. So it was a multitude of things. It wasn't just one thing, but it was a multitude of things. It was unfortunately a, a just like a storm <laughs> that I think like, I mean, look at Black Sky. Black Sky recently won a billion dollar contract, 10 year billion dollar contract, right? It was like, um, it was like EOC, EOCL contract, right? Which was through, um, uh, the NRO, right? Like, if anything, that was a huge endorsement of the company's technology. But that, I mean, barely did anything for the stock, right? It like had a one day jump, but it's just like, it's because I still think there's a fundamental, like, not, not, now some of the companies have their own issues, like Spire um, has a stock, there's a substantial overhang on the stock, because, you know, back in mid September, they effectively came, they entered into this equity distribution agreement. And without getting into the details, it means that if they execute on the agreement, there's substantial dilution to the company that will take place, which will like, you know, which is further there's, but, but it's also just like, they are the growing pains of being public. Like, right. If right. you have a report, if you have a projection and you don't hit it, the markets are going to punish you for that. And I think that unfortunately, um, you know, that has just, yeah. And by the way, this isn't just EO, right? Launch companies, the, the space SPACs in general, SPACs in general, tech companies in general, this is a broader issue, which is why, right. I talked about the fourth overhang, which is like, I think a lot of these EO, these really great EO businesses, especially the ones that are still private, are dealing with now the real overhang that like capital is not cheap anymore. And there is going to be like, you need to really make sure that these business models, there's a, a big market and that there's a real business model behind it because otherwise you're not going to get funding. So like everything, all of there's big reverberations. And unfortunately, the long-term issue with what's happening in the public markets for space tax is going to affect the private market. It's already affecting the private markets. And I think a lot of um, venture investors and private investors are looking at this and saying like, holy shit, like this person has been in this company for the last five or six years. And like, once this company's gone public, they're down 80%. Like, do I really need to be in this space as an yeah, investor? Yeah, I see. So, and, and by the way, I do think as time goes on, like, people are going to really start to see the value of this, of the new cost structure. And like, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of great positive things. And I think it's going to, but like, I think in the near term, the next year or so, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's not going to be particularly fun from if you're an existing investor or if you're a company like, you know, that needs to answer to the public markets. That's what I want to ask. Like, let's, let's try to play magician here a little bit. Uh, if you have your crystal ball, what does it tell you for what you think that let's stick on the earth observation markets for the, you know, in, in a couple of years, for example, where do you see things going? My guess is there's going to be some consolidation. Um, there's going to be companies, um, public current public EO companies that are going to be acquired um, because they're okay. just not able to maintain um, their status as like a you know viable public company. Um, I think that that will happen. I don't think the tech or the I don't think that the actually technology or that service will go away. I think that company get may get rolled up into into um, another business. I think you're going to see more of that. Who do you um, think would acquire? Um, <laughs> I want to be careful who I what I say. This is, this is where I, this is where I try not to. Okay. Uh, yeah. Look, what what I would say is like here. Here's what I would say. Let me talk about a general trend rather than sure. point to point to a specific person. The legacy, the traditional industry, the traditional aerospace and defense companies are trying to figure out how do we tap this new space culture and new space market. You're seeing it in launch, right? You have like, you know, um, you know, effectively everyone knows like Lockheed sort of partnered with ABL, right? They're where they're doing level partnership. Like Northrop recently announced a partnership with Firefly, right? I think eventually you're going to see potentially these companies saying, you know what, we're just going to, we have a, you know, we're a multi-hundred billion dollar market cap. We have a shit ton of cash on our balance sheet. We're just going to buy these companies, take them in-house and like, you know, build up the build up sort of use our resources to help build up this kind of vertical for us that we've been like legacy, not great at. I think you'll, you'll probably see some of that. Like traditional aerospace company come in and say, hey, this asset's cheap. We can buy this for a few hundred million bucks. And then we, we can, we, there's a lot of synergies having it in our, in our, in our, like um, in our ecosystem. So we're just going to do that, right? I think you're going to see that's probably going to be more the likely, um, you know, I think the the likely scenario. Right. Yeah, but like my that that's kind of what I was uh, wanting. I, I, I'm not asking for specific names. I'm more asking for specific industry. Like, do you think? Do you see someone like Google coming in and saying like we're going to acquire this? Or is that's it a still really in... interesting. That's, that's a really interesting. I think that's a really interesting um, uh, company to name. I think Google, Facebook. Um, have you thought like think about think about this? What if Facebook? I'm like going out there. I, well, I let's even, do I, it. I, I haven't even thought about this in my head. What if Facebook says I'm gonna we're gonna acquire a optical imagery company or a, a a company that provides optical imagery, and then we're gonna map it over the areas of of you know the market that we care about, and we're gonna see I don't know how many where there are more swimming pools. What areas of the what zip codes are there more swimming pools? I, I'm just making this up. Yeah, yeah, and we're yeah. gonna target ads to those people for more swimming pools, right? I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, you, you can get more nefarious than swimming pools, right? You can think about like where you where where you can start thinking about like a company like that and how they use it to like direct ads or like how to think about like, I mean, 
Certain, certainly an interesting. It's thing, data, like, and that's what those companies are are in the market in the business for. So you, yeah. your imagination can kind of go wild as to how far that goes. But correct, yeah, it doesn't have it's to be. Like, that's a great point, though. It doesn't have to be an aerospace and defense. It could be like a lot of companies that just need a particular piece of data. Like, and um, uh, I mean, financial institution, like a financial institution making trades um, on a um, I don't know particular you know like commodity, right? I mean, those trades are worth, they, you know, historically been worth billions of dollars, right? Like there's a huge amount of economic value associated with it. So like, you know, I mean, look, at the end of the day, those, those, that's more, that's better used as a customer, but like, maybe there's like a particular, maybe you're, I don't know, like I'm thinking, I mean, there's but not that, that many gets people. Back to the point where we have no idea where this industry is going Correct. because it could very well be all of those different things. And it doesn't seem like there's a clear path to any of those three things that we talked about. It stays in the aerospace industry. One of those big fang tech companies acquires it, or it, it goes into the financial sides. Like it, it sounds all three, there's a case for all three of those, but we have no idea where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I that's 100% correct. I, I, I think that, there's a lot of debate in this industry. There's a lot of really smart people that I love to follow. Like, and I'll give a shout out to like Aravind and Joe Morrison and all those guys. And, you know, they've been great. I mean, what you're doing here on this pod is awesome. You're getting a lot of really interesting like viewpoints and folks in the industry way, 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 way um, more experienced than I am at EO. Um, and, but you're, but you're also starting to see that there is a lot of different, view, different viewpoints and what the industry is going to turn into and how valuable each layer of the industry is going to become. And I think there's a lot of, you know, debate about what that is. And I, you know, people don't know, people don't know how big the commercial industry is going to get. I think the, the market estimates out there are useless. Like you, there's just, I've seen estimates that seem way too low. And I see some estimates that like, don't make any sense. They're just like, like this, this doesn't feel like you know, given how quickly the industry is growing, that that's the right number, right? So there's a lot of unknown and uncertainty, that's for sure. I want to come back to the media uh, landscape of, like we've talked about a lot of things. I want to bring it back to the to the media. One of the things I see a lot as well is, is a little bit the same thing as you, where there's this really interesting things that happen in this industry. <clears throat> and then there's the way I consume media today, which is not... I. Like I read The Economist here and there. I read some of the New York Times, but I'm also on Twitter a lot. I'm also on YouTube a lot. I also listen to podcasts a lot. And that's where I got a lot of my news. I subscribe to probably too much newsletters um, and Payload is one of them. How are you thinking? Um, you have the newsletter, which is the main way to reach people, but you're also talking about reaching younger audience. I like to think of myself still as fitting that category. Um, but it's more of a segue to talk about that. Like, are you thinking about other means than just the the newsletter to reach people? You've got the the podcast Pathfinder. Um, just yep. curious. Yeah, so that's right. So right now, um, outside of the um, the publications that you mentioned, we have the webinar. We we are starting to do webinars. We're doing. We do have in person events that we've started to do. Um, we have Pathfinder, of course. Now beyond that. I will tell you a medium that we've played around with, but we're not quite sure about, which is TikTok. I was going to ask about TikTok. Great. Let's we, get into we, it. We, we've thought about it. We don't know. We don't quite know how to think like how to, how to build a model around it. Like, because 
I mean, there's a lot of great kind of science-based TikTokers out there that I think are doing really cool things. Um, the, look, the other side of it, the other side of things are just kind of funny. I'm sorry, it's not funny. It's just more just like an interesting dynamic. Like aerospace and defense is an industry. Then, and forget about the D word. Let's just say aerospace and, and new space is a industry that is that there's always a big government military angle to like everything. It's dual use, right? Significant dual use. And when you talk about dual use and, you know, effectively our organization is an American organization, right? We were built in the U.S. We're funded by American investors. I think you know where I'm getting, going with this. One of the pushbacks Absolutely. that we've gotten from investors that we talked to, like our own investors, we're like, hey, look, what do you think about this? And they're like, you're telling me that you're going to, you're in the aerospace industry and you're going to try to launch a model on TikTok. And you know what's happening in the in the political discourse around TikTok. So that to us is something that we've thought about and it's crossed our mind. And it's like, look, I'm not going to get into the politics of what I just said. But what I will say is that it's something that we ultimately don't want a, a fun media outlet that we're using to capture a younger audience to effectively hurt the, right. the main offering, right? And we can see how there could be some blowback. So we, we've thought about it and we're like, you know what, right now, unsure, we're going to revisit this on another day. Now, if we were to use a partner and say, hey, like you're doing really cool stuff and we're going to partner with you in some right. way, shape or form, I think we, we will think about that. But right now, to answer your question, we have thought about other things like that, like TikTok. But right now we're, I mean, look, the low hanging fruit continues to be the flagship. It's just that's the low-hanging fruit because we still have a huge audience to capture. We have a lot of ways to improve that product. Um, and we don't really need to spend too much time right now thinking about a million other things. Okay. Yeah, the, the reason I, I wanted to I'm, – I'm glad you, you went to TikTok. The reason I wanted to ask is because – so this is my, uh, you know, whatever it's worth analysis of payload. But I see you have the daily uh, newsletter and you're starting to do other newsletters. That's a – like there's a few bits and sometimes you, you branch out to like longer Q and A's, for example. And then you talked about wanting to have depth and that's where I see that you guys have the podcast, which is like mm -hmm. this hour plus conversation with one person on a few topics. But then the, sh the super short form thing is where a lot of the digital media is talking about. Everybody can't stop shutting up about, um, can't shut up. That's a better way to about this. And, and that's what I'm curious about it. Are you trying to, you were talking about a funnel. Are you trying to make that funnel even bigger? Because right now to listen, listening to a podcast is incredibly hard to get one person to click and to start listening to a podcast. An email is a little bit easier, I guess, or clicking on a link, but seeing a short or a TikTok is, is like, it's the lowest amount of friction there is for someone to get engaged with your content or a tweet is a little bit the same. Like, are you thinking about that, about like how do we have these much shorter forms of content to basically uh, get people their foot in the door if it's uh, not beyond TikTok? Yeah, that's a good question. We, I don't, to be honest, I don't think we have spent a lot of time on that um, okay. point. I, I think it's an interesting one. I think it's one for me to take home for sure and like talk about it with the team. I think the way we've thought about, the way we've um, thought about it is like, um, it, it, our top, top funnel is the flagship. 
because it's free, right? Effectively, I mean, you're, to your point, there is still friction and getting someone to hit some, you know, put in the email and hit subscribe. Like, obviously, there's friction around that. But we're thinking about, okay, well, if we, you know, we have a free product, top of the funnel distribution, which means, you know, like, and hopefully we just grow that audience as big as possible, which means that every time we launch something, we can distribute distribute that product through that. So the reason why our pod ended up becoming like relatively successful very quickly is because we have a distribution mechanism. Yeah. We have a, we, yeah. like we launched we a pod and audience. we just like, we have an audience. We tossed it into the audience funnel, right? We launch a new publication. We toss it into the main audience funnel. And then overnight we were able to like, you know, go from like this audience to this, like, you know, sorry, no one can see my, maybe no one can see me, but like, you know, you go from like zero listeners to like a thousand listeners, like overnight. Right. And more, yeah. right. As the, as the audience continues to grow. So um, to us, like that's the model we're like really leaning into to figure out like, what are the, now from a business perspective, what are the other higher margin products that we can build that are more interesting, more exciting from a revenue perspective. Um, but you know, up until now, like, you know, the flagship is really our, our main source of distribution. Now, what you've mentioned from the short form perspective, I think is very interesting. Um, I think that, you know, when I think about the world of like short form, like where are people consuming their content and like, I don't know, maybe I'm not, maybe I've lost touch with the younger folks these days, but to me, it's like what Snapchat, Instagram, like TikTok, like, is there something else? Because if there is, I don't know about it. <laughs> well, you guys are on YouTube. YouTube is playing with We're them, on. So we, that's we are on YouTube. We are on YouTube. But by the way, it's just like the production is like it. It you know, as you know, it can really add up. Oh yeah, and it can really add up. And we're trying to keep our cost structure relatively lean right now. Yeah. I think. I think at some point, if we want to like really, really hammer home like the ability to do like really cool short. I mean, we've we've we've. We, there's some Instagram properties out there that we've thought about acquiring and integrating that into our into our model. There's we've talked, we've had conversations with folks, um, and then ultimately, you know, I think we decided that um, right now it's a little bit of a distraction from the core product, and like let's yeah, just execute on the core product. That's that's really interesting because so I'm discovering this world of media. Like I consider myself a part of the media landscape in a little. You definitely way. are. Yeah, no, but it's it's like a big identity crisis for me, of, <laughs> like as a software person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's really interesting because what you're mentioning here is the same that what what, what I do here in the in, in people starting tech companies. This idea of focus is really important about, mm -hmm. and the language you're using is the same. It's a product, and and people use that for if you have a SaaS service, you have a product, and there's features. We're not using the word features, but it's the same. And there seems to be this value on focus. Like we're not going to do 10 things. And if we had those 10 things, it would be great. But there is a cost and price to having those. So we're going to focus on making this one thing great. And then slowly we're going to experiment. But but it shouldn't take away from this one core element that we're doing. Yep. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I mean, most times i mean you're looking i mean this market is the perfect market to like see this right um people overhired last year and like now they're cutting back opex cuts across the board um unfortunately people are getting fired because there was just too much you know too much la like layering to growth and i think it was i think it was people i think it was like this 
hey, we're going to expand into all these other things. And we didn't. I mean, I am happy to I'm happy to say that we are in a really strong position, like from that perspective. We we're, we we just hired someone. We didn't fire. We, we have no desire. Yeah. Sorry, not no desire. We don't have any need um, to cut back on any expenses because we monitored that very, I think, very well. And, you know, could we have gotten distracted last year? And like expanded into a million different things, like definitely, definitely. But in this market, like you need to be very, very careful because like the macro, there's tremendous, there's more macro uncertainty now than there ever has been in the last decade. What's the end game for for payload? You said you raised uh, you raised some some funds. So is there like a pressure from the investors to like go public or get acquired? Like I'm curious. No, 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 no. I mean, first of all, yeah, yeah, public is. <laughs> We don't even talk about that word. <laughs> I don't know. This, this, but uh, no, no. So, so, so we very, very specifically. So the problem with media has always been venture. Like venture, when you inc- include venture, like traditional venture capital, there's always a pressure to grow, expand, yeah. you know, like raise more money. We have a couple, I would say, VC partners. Um, but what I would call them are definitely more partners than anything. There is, there have been, there's been no, like we, and we explained it from the very beginning. It was all about sort of like maintaining that trust. Like, Hey, this is not a business where you're going to raise a million different rounds. This is a business that, you know, may be profitable in a year, which is exactly where we're trending. Like we're going to be hopefully knock on wood, like we're trending to be profitable by next year. Right. So like the question is like, you know, are you looking for scale, 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 scale? Like this is not like the, this is not the type of business that like operates as a traditional like BC um, now or traditional venture backed business. Um, now that being said, we have thought about products like software and data products, which, you know, if you ask me about them, I would say like, to be quite frank, that we're just brainstorming right now mm-hmm. that would require more traditional venture capital and would be a much bigger outcome for investors. If we like actually told the story and we, we executed on that vision well, but right now as a media business, um, you know, luckily, oh, I would say that you know we don't have a tremendous amount of pressure or really any pressure from our investors because like they know, they they understand what we're doing. We made it very clear what we were doing and building. So um, you know, thankfully that's not the case. That's pretty cool. It's, it's it's exciting to see these different ways of funding businesses as well, like not just let's have these crazy valuations and, and like raise a billion rounds and then, and then what? Um, yeah. Well, look, the other side of things is like crowdfunding is starting to become really interesting. Right. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you saw spaced ventures like Aaron Burnett, who's a good friend of ours. Like they're doing like this large petition and going to SpaceX and saying, Hey, yeah, we have yeah, yeah, yeah. $20 million worth of interest. Like how let's help make this work. Right. Which I think is really interesting and exciting. So there will definitely be more and more innovative models to fund these companies. I think as, as, as time goes on, I, I want to start running this off. Uh, and just the way I, I start these conversations the same way, I like ending them the same. I like asking for, for books or podcast recommendations. Um, mostly because as you probably know, growing a podcast is really hard and mm-hmm. uh, a book as well. And a lot of it goes through word of mouth. And I believe that it, it does help understand who a person is by what they read and, and what they listen to. So I'm curious, do you have a, a one book and what podcast that you think would be worth uh, people checking out? 
not necessarily to have to do with anything that we talked about, but just maybe something you read recently that you thought was was pretty good. And Pathfinder yeah, so... doesn't count, by the way. <laughs> okay. Or or Mind Behind Maps because everyone. Right. Yeah. 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 No, that one. <laughs> that that one's okay. <laughs> um. Well. Uh, well. First of all, I, I'd obviously say people should listen to this because it's great. So, and and I appreciate. I know you have a day job, and I know what you're doing is really hard, and. And it's really amazing that you're actually spending time out of your own free time to be able to do something like this. And I think that's awesome. Um, I think that, okay, so I read a book recently that I really, really like, um, that I talk about a lot. It has nothing to do with space. It's a book called Engines That Move Markets. Okay. And it's by, um, the name is escaping me, so let me actually make sure I I share. So the it's by... Um, um, yeah, Alastair Nairn, Alastair, A-L-A-S-D-A-I-R, um, last name N-A-I-R-N. And it's a it's a fa- fascinating book because basically it's a book about technology and how technology evolves over time. So it starts basically in like the canal era and like the British and American Industrial Revolution, like from the railroad era. And it, basically the author goes through different levels of like how the investing and the financing world comes together and how the, you know, when there's a new innovation, how that innovation is, is accepted into the market, how it grows. And then ultimately what causes it to like, basically, um, you know, um, ultimately like move on, you know, there's a new technology that forms and, and, and sort of like, you know, crushes that one, right. The one previous to it. Right. Um, so this book goes through all the way from like, you know, like I said, like from the um, kind of, industrial revolution type era to the modern internet era. And what you start to see is that it's a pattern. It is a pattern that has repeated for all of human history on like how tech and how tech disruption and capital formation within around that disruption happens. Um, and it's a fascinating, what you really start to see is like, oh my God, like, like this has happened so many times, but we never ever learned. <laughs> Um, and it's just a great book and it's a great framework to look at new technology. And I think it's, a, it's, 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 uh, it's one of the cool, it's one of the most kind of fun books I've, I've, um, I've read in, 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 uh, in, uh, in recent history. So I'd highly recommend that. Um, as far as podcasts go, I mean, I watch, I listen to so many darn podcasts. Like, I don't even know, like, like, like it's, it's like what I listen to, like, all, like, I don't even know what I would, what I'd recommend. Um, I would say, um, let's see here. Um, I'm like looking at my, looking at my list. Yeah, what's maybe some not not just you know just something recent, for example, that you thought was uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I looked at. I, I mean, I, I listened to Arvin's podcast. I have it here. There's a mm-hmm. Terawatch episode I listened to. I, I listened to Village Global's Venture Stories. I think that's interesting. There's an old podcast um, called The Portal. Um, which I listened to, yes. um, which is really, really good. Do you listen to Portal? I, from um, Eric Weinstein? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I listened yeah. to some of those conversations. I think it ended, right? Uh, yeah, it, it did. It did end. It did end, unfortunately. But I actually go back and listen to like some of the episodes. Like the, the episode with Peter Thiel is like so surreal. Yeah, I was I, like, say, I... I think I listened to the first one, which was with Peter Thiel a couple times. Yeah, um, this one's great. I haven't heard about that one. I'll put that one in the show notes. Uh, so um, that one's good. But, uh, but I'm actually a big I'm actually a big music person. So okay, I great. spend yeah, music is like 
so such a huge part of my life. Like I used to produce dance music. You're uh, a DJ as well, right? I think. I, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't, I don't, I don't unfortunately have as much time to do that as I used to, but it was always a hobby, but that's always a big thing uh, for me. So I listen to a lot of music related pods, but I would say that's okay. less, less, less relevant. Um, no, that's, less I mean, here. music is really cool. Like a lot of, it, it's interesting how a lot of space media, or like, let me rephrase, entertainment, like a lot of movies that are tied to space have yeah. really interesting music that's tied to it. If you think about some of the biggest movies, I don't know, like 2001 or Interstellar or like these movies who music is such a big part of it in, in the space theme around it. And and I just think that's pretty interesting. Well, I'll plug I'll plug one space thing, which I think is uh, it hits the music thing on the head very well, and the storytelling, which is the show for all mankind on Apple TV. If you ha have you seen it? No. Oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah sorry. I thought it was the show for all mankind, but it's the show comma for all mankind for all yes. mankind. Yes, I actually um, haven't finished it, but uh, okay. That, I I really like that show because it's just like such an interesting backwards no, sorry not backwards but like vintage or kind of like older like era take on like what would have happened on you know what what, what what would have happened if we continued investing in the industry but i also think it's like a it's sort of almost like a look into the future of like what could happen it's like a look into the future looking at the past it's like really interesting and the music is great i think the the music selection that the producers have they were spot on i actually have like a playlist going of like all the songs that i've discovered from watching that show so yeah you guys made a playlist as well which i thought was a really we did move. it's called yeah it's space jams <laughs> spotify playlist um we wanted to build we wanted to make something that was a little bit more fun and more geared towards like um you know just like something you know you're throwing a space themed party you're like what do i throw on like oh space jams my playlist easy <laughs> so <laughs> nice so that was yeah i'll put that I, I in the show notes as well i think that's really cool i love these little things these little nuggets uh, of, of like little tangents but still on theme yes exactly mo thanks a lot for the chat this was amazing i really appreciate you spending you. some of your valuable time with me thank you for having me max it was really it was a pleasure chatting with you and and uh you know you always ask awesome questions so thank you very much i really appreciate it likewise thank you uh thanks for the chat I'm reader of the um newsletter since uh, since a while and i really like it so amazing well thank you for your thank you for your support really appreciate it thank you again for having me and uh looking forward to hopefully being back here sometime in the future um, yeah. once i've like really honed in on my eo knowledge once uh, google acquires one of those companies exactly <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be a natural time to come back yeah and I'll, I'll put of course the in the show notes where people can can subscribe to to the newsletter and listen to the podcast you have guys have some really interesting talks also on the on the on the earth observation side mm -hmm.